bit of God twang. You know we gon' eat Everything else in this world is irrelevant Until you give it away to the king We'll never be able to walk through the gates If we haven't surrendered and never repented That there is a key You gotta believe You gotta have need You gotta be willing I'm looking around at some people that left Oh well, you can't please them all But when God tells you to move You gotta pick the phone up better answer that call, yeah Everybody wanna ball, man Big house in two-car garage Getting my family 80 acres Over there any day find no problem I'ma till that land Plant them seeds and watch them grow Pray for rain Read that word If you really wanna read You gon' have to sow Got my bros, if I eat, everybody gon' eat. We all stay winning, that's a blessing. Ain't no stressing, God is flexing while we singing. Oh. I use what I'm given, I know what I'm worth to change And it ain't about the money now Everybody wanna talk about it though If you get a trap beat and some auto-tune You're probably gonna get up on the radio It's a carbon copy, hooked on mollies I found in my hobby What you really need is a mentor, bro Wax on, wax off, Mr. Miyagi Back to the basics, faith walk, no Asics Heavenly oasis out in the country Cornfields, four wheels, and a Tupac blasting changes Well, by now I really hope you get what God's twang is But if you don't, at least I hope you know that Jesus lives God And oh,
good morning, everybody. How are you? It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church. Made Free Church, Weezer, Idaho. Hope you guys are having a great morning. I know I am. Um, wow, what's, uh, you know, uh, I hope you guys, give me one second. All right. Um, guys, please pray for me, man. You know, I haven't really gotten that much sleep in the last couple of weeks. You know, it's been, uh, really kind of difficult. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've been relying on God's strength, you know, um, hope you enjoyed pastor Chad's Bible study on Sunday. Um, you know, he's an amazing preacher. Um, and knows the word, man, you know, um, I took the, I took the day off, <laughs> you know, um, update on the church, man, you know, we got our second wall built, uh, praise God. And, um, you know, what, what, a what a blessing, you know? Um, so if you guys, you know, I have, I have an announcement. If you guys are in the Weezer, Idaho area and want to come out, you know, and help us build this church, man, you know, we're there on Wednesdays. Uh, we're going to be there October 8th as well, uh, all day, which is a Saturday. We could use your guys' help with that as well. And so we need to get some some walls done. We need to get some uh, drywall up and stuff like that. So if you guys could, uh, you know, uh, if you guys are in the Idaho area and you guys can come out, you know, that'd be great. Let me turn on some music real quick. Um, that'd be awesome, man, you know. Um, also, guys, if you guys would like to, uh, you know, um, do a comment, please do a comment. Uh, if you guys want to give uh, StreamYard your uh, access to your profile as well, I'll be able to see your name and stuff. But um, so that's what's going on right now with Made Free Church Idaho. Um, and uh, just pray for me, man. Pray for strength. Pray for sleep. Um, you know, I'm only getting maybe three, four hours of sleep a night and, um, it's been kind of hard, you know, um, I just realized that yesterday, you know, doing a lot of tossing and turning and stuff like that. So if you guys could pray for me, that'd be great. I appreciate it. So we're in, we're in the uh, book of Romans still, and, and we're, we're still studying Romans 12, one and two. Um, and, and I think it's important that we do that because there's so much meat in that. And there's a lot of context in it. So, uh, you know, open up your word uh, to uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. But before we get started, guys, um, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We're a praying church. We believe in the power of prayer. Um, and we believe in the essentials of prayer, you know. Um, so if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. And there we put in your you know, your, uh, your prayer requests and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. So please do that. Um, cause we'd love to pray for you. Right. So let's get into this. Uh, you know, heavenly father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord. We just ask that you get this lowly preacher out of the way and let your word go forward, Lord, and just, uh, minister to our hearts and, and bless this day in Jesus name. Amen. All right, guys, <clears throat> open up your word to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You know, and like I said, in the last few Bible studies, you know, we've been studying this, right? And in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul begins applying 
the doctrine that he has been te teaching in the previous 11 chapters. Now, it's not that, you know, he has made no application in the previous uh, 11 chapters, and he has, right? But he begins, to ch he begins chapter 12 um, in a sense of him saying, in light of all that I've taught, how should we live, right? So let's carefully examine each phrase in Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it says, and, it, and let's read it. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what motivates people to do their best, right? Uh, people are motivated by all kinds of different things. Some people are motivated by a challenge. You know, Dale, uh, Dale C uh, Carnegie, the author of How to Win Friends and Influence People, tells of a, a mill manager um, whose workers were not producing very much, right? And the owner was named Charles Schwab. And he, and, and, and he asked the manager what was wrong. Um, and the manager says, I have no idea, right? I coaxed them, I pushed them, I've sworn and cussed at them. I've threatened them with damnation of, and being fired. Nothing works. They just won't produce. Well, how many heats your sh uh, did your shift make today? Schwab asked. And he said, well, you know, the manager goes, well, six. And without saying anything, you know, Schwab picked up a, a, a piece of chalk and wrote a big number six on the floor and walked away. Then the night shift came and saw the six and, and they asked what it meant. Well, the big boss was here today, someone said, and he asked how many heats the day shift made and, and we told him six and then he wrote and he chalked it on the floor. Well, the next morning, Schwab walked through the mill again and the night shift had rubbed out the six and replaced it with the even bigger seven. When the, the, when the, when the day shift reported and saw the seven, so the night shift thought that they were better than the day shift and, and you know but but they showed them right the, the day shift's like we'll show them so they they pitched in furiously before they had left for the evening they rubbed out the seven and replaced it with the ten see paul uh, uh schwab not paul but schwab increased so Hold on a minute. There we go. Uh, <laughs> increased his production by 66% <coughs> in just 24 hours simply by throwing down a challenge. You know, some people are motivated by recognition. Students are sometimes motivated by uh, to work harder so that they can be recognized as the best in the class or team. Salesmen are motivated to work harder because of the recognition they receive for their superior performance. Athletes excel because of their desire for recognition. And some people are motivated by freedom. Give me liberty or give me death in the famous quotation that Patrick Henry did at the speech at a Virginia convention. 
It was given on March 23rd, 1775 at St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia. And it is credited with having swung the balance and convincing the Virginia House of Burgess to pass a resolution delivering the Virginia troops to the Revolutionary War. Yeah, among the delegates of the convention uh, was future future presidents, you know, George Bush. I mean, George Bush, George Washington. Can you see I'm tired? Um, George Washington, Je Thomas Jefferson. George Bush was even alive at that time. Anyway, uh, so, you know, uh, uh, reportedly, those in attendance upon hearing the speech shouted to arms, to arms. And of course, as you know, over a year later, the United States was declared the independence from Great Britain, having won their freedom to self-govern. The question I want to answer today is what motivates a Christian to live a Christian life? Or to use Paul's language in Romans 12:1, what motivates the Christian to present their bodies as a living sacrifice to God? So in, in our Bible study today, I want to examine the motivation by to, to be a living sacrifice. The definition of mercy and the illustrations of mercy. So first, let's examine the motivation of to be a living sacrifice. Paul says, "I appeal to you that to the I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice." It's the last part of of 12 of 1B. In Romans uh, 12, 1 to 2, it's, uh, are, they're, re they're really awesome verses, which you know, that's why I'm spending so much time unpacking each phrase of these two verses, right? You know, the, in, in our first study, you know, of these two verses, I gave you an overview of the two verses, right? And then I started examining these verses, phrase, uh, uh, these phrases, uh, verses, phrase by phrase. At first, I examined you know, how these verses link to the previous 11 chapters of Romans. Second, we looked at the concept of li uh, living sacrifice and explained that in Christianity, we are to live by dying to self, as strange as this, it may seem, right? Um, and third, we examine the nature of living sacrifice and observe that one, it is to be living, two, uh, it, it involves giving the various parts of our bodies to God. And three, it must be holy. And four, if it is these things, then it will be acceptable to God. So today I, I, I ask, why should we present our bodies as a living sacrifice? You know, that is, what, it, what, what is it that should motivate Christians to live a Christian life you know Paul answers this very simply because he says because of, of the mercies of God now you should notice in the in the ESV the English Standard Version retains the Greek plural of mercies in other words Paul stresses that the motivation of living the Christian life is because of the multiple multiple mercies of God you know, we, we do not live a Christian life 
because we, you know, will earn favor or merit with God. We don't live a Christian life because it's good for us. We don't live a Christian life because we will we'll get in trouble with God if we don't. No, the reason for living a Christian life is because of the mercies of God. And, and, and John Calvin said this, Paul, uh, Paul's appeal teaches us that men were never, will never worship God with a sincere heart or be roused to fear and obey him with sufficient zeal until they properly understand how much they are in need and indebted to his mercy. Right? So the biblical meaning of mercy is exceedingly rich and complex, right? Um, as evidenced by the fact that several Hebrew and Greek words are used for mercy. You know, there are many synonyms employed uh, in this translation to express the dimensions of the meaning involved in the word of mercy. Uh, they're like kindness, loving kindness, goodness, grace, favor, pity, compassion, and steadfast love. Now, it would be, it would be helpful to distinguish between grace and mercy. Grace is usually defined as unmerited, God's unmerited favor. And J.I. Packer uh, clarifies the meaning of grace. He says this, that the grace of God is love freely shown towards guilty sinners contrary to their merit and indeed in defiance of their demerit it is god showing goodness to the person who deserves only the severity and had no reason to accept anything but severity regarding mercy james montgomery boyce i love the i love these two guys because you know i i, I listen and read a lot of their books right boyce he said this Mercy is an aspect of grace, but the unique quality of mercy that is it is given to the pitiful. Arthur Pink, A.W. Pink says this, mercy denotes the ready inclination of God to re relieve the misery of the fallen creatures. Thus, mercy proposes sin, presupposes sin. Um, Third, we observe the illustrations of mercy, right? The first illustration of mercy is Adam, right? Now, I believe that it is almost impossible for us to understand what it was like for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? They had no sin. They've never sinned. They had no desire to sin. And God said to them, Adam, you may eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day... You eat it, you will surely die. Genesis 2, 16 through 17. Right? So, sometime later, right, Adam and Eve did eat the, the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that evening, God came looking for Adam and Eve. And God goes, where are you? Adam and Eve, they hidden among... You know, the trees when they heard God coming and they were terrified, but God said that they would die on the day that they eat of the, uh, the forbidden tree. Eve must have expected to die. Adam must have expected to die. And I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself, Adam said. And God, God asked them, 
This is Genesis 9, uh, 3, 9, uh, 9 through 13. Right? God asked him, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree in which I commanded you not to eat? And Adam said, the woman whom you gave me gave me the fruit and I ate. And then God said to Eve, what is this that you have done? And he said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. After hearing Adam and Eve's and after, after, after hearing that Adam blamed Eve and then Eve blamed the serpent, God begins the judgment by beginning with the serpent. He said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and to and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you, uh, your offspring and her offspring. And she and, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God then said to Eve, this is uh, Genesis uh, uh, 3.16, right? I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desires shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And then in Genesis, and then in from 17 through 19, he finally looks at Adam, and God said, And because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring it forth for you, and you shall eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread and return to the ground, for you for out of it out of it you were taken. For you are the dust, and dust you shall return. Try to imagine yourself in Adam's place. God had told Adam that in the day that he ate of the uh, of the fruit of the, uh, that he would surely die, but here it is at the end of the day and Adam and Eve are still alive Adam and Eve were understandably afraid of God after they had sinned that is why they hid themselves from God but when God pronounced his judgments against their sin he even in, he even announced the coming a redeemer who would bruise Satan's head and undo all the his wicked work see God killed an animal in Adam's place. This is a vivid illustration to Adam of God's substituting an innocent life to pay the penalty for Adam's own sin. And God clothed Adam even with the skin of the animal that he had killed. Adam must have been overwhelmed by the awareness of God's mercy. Adam deserved to die, but instead of killing him, God spared him and promised the Savior and said, no wonder why Adam named his wife Eve, which is the meaning of life giver or mother. It, 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 it was a, his way of, of expressing faith in God's promise. You know, for God said had said that it was from the seed of a of the woman that the redeemer would come the memory of of god's mercy must have kept adam looking for god in faith and living for god in faith through his long life that 
you know, from that time forward, right? For Adam lived 800 years and was the father of the line of godly patriarchs that extended through his third son, Seth, to Noah, right? The second illustration of Paul of, 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 of mercy is Paul. In his earlier days, Paul was called Saul, and he was a fierce opponent of Christianity. He was a Pharisee of the strictest sect, uh, sect of, of the Jews. He was zealous for the traditions of his fathers. This led him to participate in the martyr of Stephen and followed that the arresting and otherwise persecuting many of early Christians. You know, and, and, and having done that, he could injure, you know, all that he could, have, he could do in Jerusalem. Paul obtained leaders from the, uh, the leaders of the synagogue. Um, and in Damascus, he went to arrest any Christians that he could find and carry them off to Jerusalem for trial and possible execution. But on the way, Jesus stopped him. There was a bright light from heaven, and, and Saul fell to the ground, and blinded by the light, he heard a voice speaking to him, Saul, Saul, why are you per persecuting me? Paul, Paul asked, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, it is, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. At this point, Paul must have been devastated. He thought he was serving God, but instead he was destroying the work of God. He had done it great harm even participating in the in the killing of Stephen in that first moment Paul's drawing don, uh, Paul's dawning uh, uh, apprehension when he recognized that it was Jesus of Nazareth to whom he was speaking and, and he had he, he must have thought that Jesus had appeared to him to judge him you know he certainly deserved it and he must have expected to be struck down to die. But but instead, Jesus sent him to Damascus where he was told to be told what he should do. And and when the message came to him by the disciples named uh, by by a disciple named Ananias, it was that he was to be God's chosen instrument to carry Jesus' name before the Gentiles and King and the children of Israel in Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 15 see paul's paul's life was transformed by the mercies of god right that that's why you know years later he he could write to his young friend and co-worker timothy in first timothy uh chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am the foremost but I received mercy for the reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. See, it was see, Paul knew himself to be a sinner saved only by the mercies of God. That he joyfully gave himself to God as a living sacrifice and worked tirelessly to please him. You know, the third illustration of the mercy of God is John Newton. Now, Newton ran away to the sea as a young boy and eventually went to Africa to participate in the slave trade. 
You know, his reason for going, as he later wrote in his autobiography, was that he might sin his fill. And sin he did. But the path of sin was, was downhill, and Newton's path descended so low that he was eventually reduced to the position of slave in the master's African compound. This man dealt in slaves. And, and he went off on slaving expeditions. Newton fell into the hands of the slave trader's African wife, who hated white men and vented her venom on Newton. Newton was forced to eat his food off a dusty floor like a dog. And at the point, he was actually placed in chains. Sick and emaciated, he almost died. Newton eventually escaped from uh, his, this form of slavery. But he was still chained to sin. And, and, and again, went into sea, transporting slaves from the west coast of Africa into the New World. It was on his return from one of those slave voyages that Newton was wondrously converted. During a fierce storm at sea, he thought he was going to die. And however, God brought to his mind scripture verses that he had memorized at his mother's knee. And he found himself saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And when the ship arrived home, he left the slave trade and became a minister of, of the grace of God. But what was Newton's motivation? It was a profound awareness of the grace and mercy of God toward him. A wretched sinner. Newton wrote these words. It's a song called Amazing Grace. You guys probably all heard it. It says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that would save, that saved a wretch like me. I was once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, and that, but now I see. Newton never forgot the mercy, God's mercy out to him. You know, once a, a friend was complaining about someone who resisted the gospel and is living a life of great sin, you know, sometimes I almost despair of that man, and the friend remarked. Newton said, I never despair for any man since God saved me. See, Newton was very old and his mind was failing and he was forced to stop preaching. However, when his friends came to visit him, he frequently, he frequently said, I'm an old man. My mind is almost gone, but I can remember two things. First, I'm a great sinner. And second, Jesus is a great savior. The mercies of God moved Newton to present his body as a living sacrifice to God and to live for him his entire life. Your experiences of the mercies of God is similar to that of Adam, Paul, and John Newton. Paul said of you in Ephesians 2, that before you experienced the mercies of God, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were following the course of the world and following the prince of the power of the L. Verse 2. And by nature, an object of God's wrath. Verse 3. And then you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel as strangers to the covenant promise having no hope without God in the world in verse 12. That 
was your con uh, condition. And if you're not saved today, that is your condition. But there's hope, right? So listen to what Ephesians chapter uh, uh, 2 verses 4 and 7 says. But God, rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That is what's meant by the mercies of God. It is the mercies of God that motivates the Christian to live a Christian life. It is the mercies of God that motivates the Christians to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. When you properly when you properly understand the mercies of God, you will you will have no trouble presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And when you fully appreciate all that you God has done for you in Jesus Christ, you will respond as Isaac Watts did in his great hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross, it says this in a couple of, in a, in a, in a, in a couple of verses it says love so amazing, so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. You know, as we present our lives as a living sacrifice to God, may God help us present our bodies like that to him because we are recipients of the mercies of God. That's huge, guys, because we should always present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God if we believe. And if you don't believe, it, you know, it's not about saying a little prayer, then you just walk off and do what you want. No, it's, it's, it's actually, you know, praying to him, asking him for your forgiveness, presenting your body as a living sacrifice, and then living a transformed, radical life for him. And we see that through Spurgeon. We see that through all of our all, all of our predecessors, right? They lived for Christ and they sacrificed their freedoms. They sacrificed their lives so we can have churches so we can we can gather in, right? You know, I don't like the mega church. It's a business. You know, uh, not saying that there's no you know, uh, uh, Christians and megachurches. I just don't like them. You know, what I do like is when we gather and we talk about God because that's all I want to talk about. It's all I think I'm interested in is God, is Christ and Him crucified. You know, I would sacrifice everything, you know, to to just share His word, right? Anyway, guys, um, Guys, I hope you're enjoying this this time. I know I am. Um, you know, uh, uh, guys, um, you know, we planted a church here in Idaho and, and we're building walls and stuff like that, but we still need your financial support. You know, we're still short about $300 um, uh, to build some more things. We need to build a pulpit. We've got chairs. We got pretty much everything that we need, but we we're still short about $300 to uh, get some stuff done. 
And if you guys find it in your heart as you listen to this on our podcast or you see this, you know, and if you guys want to, um, you know, donate, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So, you know, we'd love to give you a tax deductible receipt uh, for your donation and for your help. But just go to madefreechurch.org and go to the, the Made Free Church Idaho tab and then scroll all the way down. And, um, you know, I'm going to be putting pictures up today and stuff like that of, of the progress of, 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 our, of our church. Uh, but we still need to buy some stuff. And, and if you could do that, please, please, please do that. Um... You know, that's just pretty much it, guys. You know, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Um, God bless you guys, man. All you guys on the podcast, all you guys that watch on YouTube and Facebook. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, God. We love you and we worship you. And we just thank you for all that you do, Lord. Lord, bless our hands and feet as we go to school and work today, Lord, or, or whatever we're doing. Heavenly Father, and uh, just ask, Lord, that you bless them. Bless everybody that listens, podcast and Facebook and YouTube, with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, Lord. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great, great day. God bless you guys.